0: This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. And uh, we're going to kind of expand on last week's show, uh, drilling down, as you might say, or up, I think. <laughs> Not too much drilling up these days, but uh, having a greater understanding of extra dimensional space. Now, you might say, wait a second, we covered some of that last week. Yeah, but I just touched on it. I didn't really get deep into the subject because it's so difficult to understand it that I skimmed, you know, making it easier but not complete enough for most people to really get a like, well I got it now, you know, kind of thing. And uh so we're gonna we're gonna do that. And that's what all all we're doing on tonight's show is just a piece of what we did last week, but really in a much more complete fashion. Uh I, I don't like to skim over things that much, but if you're trying to draw a bigger picture you there's only you know, we don't have you got a couple hours and that's it. And then then the show's gone and then you say, Well, I couldn't remember from this week to the next so, you, so I can't really do it in multiple parts. Okay, so what do I mean by a greater understanding of dimensional space? Well dimensional space means that there is a difference in the number of dimensions um of what we call time space and I just made it space, it should be time-space, actually. And beyond time-space, it's really about the dimension itself, because there's a point where time-space no longer even makes much sense, but we'll get to that. Now, for our purposes, it's better to start where time-space does make some sense, because that's what we're familiar with. <laughs> But uh, there really is uh, a point, and we'll get to it in tonight's show, where it, it, won't, it won't matter to I say in time, space anymore. But I want to go back over some of the stuff that was in last week's show, but now we're going to look at it from a more, we'll say, in-depth perspective, and one that may explain some things that are really, really, really hard for humans who live here in this dimension and sub-dimension where we are right now uh, to grasp because our experience is limited to this area unless we have some uh, other extra experience that is a rarity and unless we're very conscious. The controlling factor in how much time-space we actually have is in understanding what thought does to time-space, because we always think that the external world, time-space, you know, that kind of stuff, is set in stone, and our thoughts don't mean anything. And it's actually the reverse. So that's the compounding factor. As I expressed and explained last week, that show, if you don't understand something in this show, uh, it's possible because you didn't hear last week's show, because I can't repeat last week's show and then incorporate it in this week's show, (laughs) and unfortunately, that's a a cheat you can't do. All right, so let's look at what time-space looks like from our perspective right here. From my perspective, it looks like our universe is uh, give or take approximately a couple uh, hundred billion-plus galaxies. There could be probably more than that, but we're, we're not familiar with them right now. And each galaxy's got uh, somewhere between anywhere from a smallest one, maybe a hundred billion to several hundred billion stars in them, right? That's pretty commonplace now, I think, for 2019, anyway. And a lot of people would say, "Yeah, that's it. That's that's the universe." <laughs> and why is why do we believe that's the universe? Well, because a whole bunch of uh, astrophysicists and other people say so. <laughs> oh, is that it. Well, you might be familiar with the old standby. Yeah, uh, better check it out. How, how was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? And you're going to start seeing that they had much smaller universes in mind if you go back in time. So in reality, the methodologies, which usually involves telescopes, of course, and radio things and uh, whatever they can use to pick stuff up, you know, as, as far as frequencies and energies, et cetera, that's what they use. The fact that those things have extreme limitations, uh, it goes unnoticed even when they switch around about every decade or so from one set of parameters to, well, wow, it's really bigger than we thought, but that's had a problem because that's us. We have the absolute authority to tell you how big things are. So uh now there are, uh, in defense of those, some of those people, they're starting to learn. What are they learning? We better not say this is it. That's <laughs> the first thing. Because, you know, next decade, we're going to look like buffoons. And that's not a good thing because it's getting in everybody's mind now that we really don't know very well what we're talking about. And you don't want to be on that side of the fence because some people don't listen to you at all. So they have learned an important lesson. Now, the biggest lesson to learn is we don't know almost anything. And that would be particularly true for those who haven't studied Ageless Wisdom and particularly some of the things I've written. So you can really include almost everybody in that. That's in the scientific community community, and maybe even some other communities as well. So you look at that and you say to yourself, okay, then that's not a real good resource to try to look at those folks and what they're coming up with because... They think time-space is what they can perceive using their own senses through instruments of those senses, and they're using those instruments not even at the top of the very dimension they live in. The top of that dimension, in other words, the full use of that dimension, would require uh, getting to the atomic level, which is the highest point of the we'll call it dimensional space itself and get getting there humans have no idea what that is really they don't they can't. you can't you can't say uh, in general humanity does not know what that is I'm saying when I say humans I should say that most scientists and most everybody else just doesn't know this what, what do they know about well they know about the next sub dimension and not even half of that yet. That's not very good. You might say, well, what kind of things exist there? Well, little tiny particles. They love it, and they call themselves particle quantum physicists. (laughs) They like that word. And they they love the fact that the particles are able to come in and out of existence, and where they're going, they have no idea, but they do that, and uh, of course they're going to this other Subdivision that's higher than what we How do they get any information about these particles? Because depending upon how you study them, you can attract them to what you're using as your instrument. It's amazing with your own mind. So amazingly, they're so so very small. Even the mind of a few human experimenters thinking about this great particle, and particularly if it's a particle that's a relatively light one. You can, energy follows thought greater than its own is the principle. And so these tiny, 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 tiny particles and the smallest ones first, we can easily determine uh, going back dozens of decades, uh, well, a dozen decades or so was where it started, back at the turn of the last century. and uh, But they didn't get much because they had a way to, wait till they used much more sophisticated methods that amplified their thought processes and their senses. And by doing the two together, because senses become uh, the amplifier of thought, they were able to these some scientists were able to even get to giant, very, very big subatomic particles. Yeah down into the Higgs range and that sort of stuff. And, and these giant ones are hard, really hard, harder to determine because, because energy files thought greater than its own, and a little tiny particle doesn't have much energy. But these big giant things do, and so they took them a while, and they actually did discover something like them as they decided they were representative. But they aren't, they aren't telling them anything. What, they aren't proving the things that they expect to be proven with them. And so it's sort of like a, a, a meaningless, almost meaningless discovery. And I want you to understand something in general about how humans function. They work in a collaborative belief structure. It's difficult for human beings to be out on their own as a fringe thinker because humans at the present time, due to their ignorances and prejudices, are uh, unyielding and unbending and they literally uh, are willing to condemn anyone that doesn't meet their collective thought processes. And this, of course, gets into politics and just everything. Now, why are humans like that on Earth? Because we're not very well developed. Our mental development is, is only marginally past the halfway point, on average, for the whole world. And because we're in the fifth of the seventh um sub races of the fifth race and that makes us a little bit past the middle but it doesn't do that much at the present time because as a fifth race we're not fully developed part of it has to do with the emotive issue that's the next emotional or next dimension full dimension beyond us and we really have no idea about that most people just you know what are you talking about another dimension of emotion Emotions are just those feelings you get, you know, sometimes you feel good, sometimes you feel bad, sometimes you feel loving, sometimes you feel hateful, you get to feel those feelings, you know. Uh, and they don't recognize anything about that other dimension or other places. So when I say they, I mean the people that live in this reality on Earth. Now, there are many planets that are far beyond Earth in development for human beings. Now you're talking about different thing entirely. We're a kind of retarded type planet, <laughs> and it's not—it's not because we're just bad people. It's because Earth was accelerated by over twice, over twice the speed of development, to try to counter a an attack by evil that was headed directly for Earth, and it was known about by some other beings, humans, in other worlds. And they said, well, why don't we make a a stand and see if we can push away the darkness from this planet, because if any place is going to get taken over by evil, out of the entire galaxy, that's a big galaxy. Earth is one of the most prone pan- uh, prone planets to developing evil, but why well, because they made an experiment of it they being the beings that uh, were interested in seeing if evil could be defeated under the worst of circumstances like in my opinion, and so they accelerated artificially by giving information and training and other things to very early humans to see if they could kind of nudge them along. not too good of a plan in my opinion because it doesn't take into account the fact that those poor people uh, suffered immense consequences now the whole point of it is that the people are not the real issue it's their souls and only their souls made the choice not people because they don't know anything about it but their souls did and the souls that came here for this experiment understood that some of their incarnates were going to suffer immensely but they made that choice, and that's us. Because what many people do not believe that they're anything beyond human, but some of us <laughs> believe there's a soul, and I know there is, but that's a whole other story. And so, okay, so you got a soul, and the soul incarnates a whole bunch of times, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, really. It could be a few hundred to... Maybe up to a 1,000, but most of the time it's in the 700 range or something like that. But the key here is that each incarnation of a soul is going through changes and improving, hopefully, over time. Not, Not every lifetime is a better one than the last for any stretch, but it does move in that general direction. So, with all that understanding now, we can start looking at what's going on with our misunderstandings, so that we can look at the real understandings that we're, I'm going to go into right now. So, okay, the highest humans seem to be able to even fathom at the present time, on average, is the fourth etheric subworld and not even everything that might be there. But just a few particles here <laughs> and there. And that's because our senses can record those particles. If we don't record them, we don't believe they exist. Okay, got it. Now, let's take it much further. Let's go to the very top, which I'm not going to go through everything like I did last week. Go to the very top of that dimension, our dimension. The, we call it the seventh dimension, but it's also the dimension that everybody seems to be, you know, where we're here right now. That That's what we believe is it. Okay, at the very top, the atomic level, it's called. Uh, that's where there is a being called a Ray Lord. What does a Ray Lord do? It puts out a focus of helping energy, literally helping thought, I should say, that builds energy and makes energy more enlightened and more active, and it's somewhat intelligent in its responses with uh, other energy. Well, that's cool. That's cool. And an interesting thing happens when you move from where we are, which we call, by our own definition, we believe that the Planck's constant, it's called, quantum constant, is numerically one where we are. Okay, well, we'll use that number. It's not even an accurate number, but we'll use it because it's, close enough and we don't have to really get down to contentious issues but when you get to the top to the atomic level uh because the the beginning number is 1 it's actually over 2 there less than 2.2 but more than 2.1 and it's a kind of and what does it mean that that constant changes well when you change that constant okay energy follows thought at a much higher level and because energy follows thought more oh, then everything uh, in terms of how you observe the universe changes from that perspective. So, why can't we do that yet? Well, we're doing some experiments with some which are going to kind of lead us in that direction, but the stuff that I'm doing needs to become prevalent and taught. That will help a lot. It's been around a long time, but very few people have known about it, one lifetime to the next. And the numbers are just too small to have much effect historically on changing the whole world of people. So you, you say, okay, well, that's cool. Okay, 2one something. Planck's constant kind of changes to that. Yeah. Yeah. That constant is closer to the real number, unlike the 1.0, if you want to call it that, that we happen to just randomly use where we are now. But I'm using the 1.0, and then I'm multiplying it to get to that particular number, OK? So just be aware of that that fact, because it's it's a little complicated. Okay, you get up there and you say well what what are things like here what's what's that what's what's going on there? Well, when you change the quantum constant energy follows thought by approximately the amount that constant changes all right, and time space changes you say well what, what do you mean well, time space is what Happens when you're thinking in ways that are away from God and you separate time and space, making space effectively. There's uh, one way to look at it is between people, there is internally a huge amount of space within the dimension. Huge. We know that because I just went through it, right? And unfortunately, that that confuses people I, I I know why, because for most people, the idea that space and time can change is like, well, they're absolute. you can't change those things that's what everybody goes by. If you change those things, that makes sense. well that 's not true, but it's a it's a strong we 'll call it gut level experience people have and so they want to believe it but that experience can be altered because you can leave your physical body and enter the etheric world and when people die that's what almost all of them do and when they enter this etheric world they usually end up on the fourth just a little bit you know that that little jump but believe it or not they're one third already, 1.3 times or more, uh, widened in their time space, uh, we'll say, uh, experience. And that means that for them, they're moving at literally a faster speed than we are in terms of light, in relative terms of their existence. And so to them in perspective of watching us, okay, we can't see them because we don't, our senses don't work well enough to see them, but uh, they can see us only moving in about a third slower speed. And you can say, well, okay, Let's say that's true. Somebody dies and they go have that kind of weirdo experience. What happens then? Well, eventually, that's kind of like boring to watch everything moving at a third slower speed and saying, well, say, what, am I, what am I doing? What, what is there to see? You know, not much. And can you hear stuff? Yeah, you can hear things depending upon uh, what your perspective is uh, and how much sense you have left at that point. And so if you're a new arrival, you have a lot of sense, so you can probably hear a lot of stuff. And you could say, well, what is it that you hear and how is it that you can determine? Well, you've got to adjust your own ears because the sounds are almost unrecognizable because of this time difference. You know, sort of like playing a photo, phonograph record at the wrong speed. And you can do it. It's possible to do it there. Because you're in the higher position, so you can make it work. But it doesn't tell you much. It doesn't. It's not a like. Whoa! Isn't that cool? Uh, and if you look at the Doppler effect, you have this. You know, you have a red shift one direction, blue shift in the other direction. So everything is compounded by that. All the all frequencies of everything becomes affected by it. All right. but what about people who are actually up? there or wherever. Are there more than one? Yeah, sometimes a lot. And do they communicate at a normal level? Yes, to them it's normal to be in that sub-dimension together. They actually could stay stay there for a while, not very long. The, the time factor in our terms is probably mm, oh a few days, some, some stay a few weeks. That's a pretty long time. And who is it that can see them best? Believe it or not, children. Uh, if they're less than seven years of age or less, they're more likely to see uh, their grand- dead grandpa than anybody else in the family. Well, wow, okay, recently died grandpa. He's not really dead. But the point is that that's you know that's that's what happens. And is it is it important for us to to and they take note of this? Yes, because it happens frequently enough and I'm saying fairly frequent, every day of the year it's happening, some some people, it's happening enough so that we can say it's within our experiential realm even if we deny what is happening. The children usually don't deny it, but there are adults around them that usually say, what? No, you're just crazy. Forget it. And of course, if you've told that enough times, now you couldn't have seen grandpa. Grandpa's gone. Grandma's dead. Yeah. Uh, they, they might... They might get convinced, or they might just say, all right, better be quiet, but I know what I saw. I don't care what. Okay, so kids, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Kids sometimes have out-of-body experiences, even while sleeping, sort of like dreams, but they're actually awakened in the etheric realm. And they can literally go right through the walls. They can go up to the... The roof and look down. You know they can do a lot of stuff, and they're not real dreams. Anymore. Now they're actually having experiences, but they think they were something, but they don't know, because they're kids. You know, they don't, they don't know. I know. When I was in practice doing psychotherapy, yeah, I saw a lot of kids that were just like that. And that's kind of some of the stuff that led me to where I am today, because I said, how could it be this many kids having this kind of experience? Like, what, are they getting together and talking about it? <laughs> yeah, they're all coming in collectively and saying, let's tell the shrink about it. Uh, you know, I don't think so. But I'm talking about, it's in the hundreds. So I I began to become a bit of a believer from that perspective alone. All right, so looking at it more so where does that lead us in terms of okay so there's these subdimensions that go all the way to the atomic level and what happens when you get to the atomic level well that's the full dimension now now we're talking about the real dimension not the subdimensions the entire dimension of the seventh plane and what is so important about being there well at the atomic level we 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 we're, we're, we're the thought of the ray lord that helps this particular planet, they call it a planetary ray lord, is influencing what's happening in thought among people and other stuff and trying to really help things out, not trying to hurry anybody. The, the issues that are going on at that point are that if you're not dead and you're having an out-of-body experience, right? not a physical body, then your reality suddenly shifts because now you're looking in. And you don't need to have very many of those before you start realizing what I'm teaching here is right. Now, how many people have had those experiences? Oh, it might be as much as a tenth of a percent of the public has had them beyond childhood now. has had them beyond childhood as an adult and uh, or close to an adult. And those kinds of experiences lead people to make a little bit of question about what's really the world. So it isn't that many people, maybe one out of a hundred, something like that. But it's enough to get us a little agitated (laughs) uh, for those people who have these experiences. Now, it's still not that big a deal what's going on with the time-space thing. When you get to the top, to the atomic level, this is the real Planck constant that matters. This is the real uh, quantum constant. And it's, like I said, 2.1 to 2.2. And when you're in that realm of we'll call it time-space, time and space are coming closer together. So you can go a lot of places, in less than half the time, because you can, the ability to travel is based upon the amount of apparent space between you and anything else. So everything becomes a bit more intelligent in its interactions because hey, they're closer together and they can communicate better, they can interact easier, that sort of thing. That's an important idea, even though it's not so significant here in this dimension, for the seventh dimension. It, the significance is the bearing that it has as we move greater in greater dimensionality, which we're going to do. So, when we look at this idea, what is, what is the seventh dimension like in time space? Well, beings are still very, very far apart from each other. Extremely far apart. Everything is extremely far apart, even at the atomic level. Why is that? Well, because the dimensionality is weird when you try to figure it out. The outside of the dimension, if you looked, we're looking in, is relatively small. And say, well, wait a second. You said it's you know people are really far apart. Yeah, the outside is. Literally has a uh, different so-called we'll proportional shape in comparison to what's going on inside. Proportionately, we would say that the outside, to our appearance, if we're in another dimension, it's a tiny dimension because there's only literally one dimension to it. I know we call it height, width, and depth, but height, width, and depth at the atomic level become one. Now, why is that? Because you're traveling in that dimension and you're seeing and experiencing everything in that dimension, ours, at the speed of light. At the speed of light, everything becomes, in terms of time-space, a unification except for one problem (laughs) even though you have the unification even at the speed of light the dimension is tremendously distant because the speed of light is so low so much lower than the higher dimensions so even when you get to the speed of light, you can say, well, time joins with space, so that shouldn't be a problem, right? The experience of time and space disappears at the speed of light for those traveling at that. That's absolutely true. But it doesn't get you any place any faster than the speed of light for that dimension. So in reality, if you want to travel someplace and you need to go faster than the speed of light, you can't travel at the speed of light or near the speed of light and get there any faster from the perspective of the others in the in the uh seventh dimension anyone else who's not traveling at the speed of light is going to and not traveling anywhere we'll say is going to experience time space separation and when they experience that, well, you might say, "Well, I could go there, and I don't. It doesn't take me any time." Yeah, except when you arrive, <laughs> it could be a thousand years later. <laughs> oh, that's not a good idea. Uh, you could see that would be a not so great thing. So, light speed travel is an impractical idea because the lack of time element dilation for the rest of everybody else leads to uh, a catastrophe of results. And you don't want that because you don't want to come back to a place after you've been gone for what you think is a very almost zero time. You come back and you everybody's gone and everybody you wanted to have there is gone i mean there's nothing nobody the planet might even be existing so that would not be a good way to get around if you wanted to do it that way because it would be treacherous for people to even come close to traveling if it was possible now why isn't it possible even travel to like? well because At the speed of light, all energy is converted into what light is, and light is not composed of energy at all. You say, what? No, it's not. It's composed of two two factors. Let me try to describe them for you. It's controlled by the two factors that make up thought. Oh, and what's that? Well, that's choices with a direction is one way to look at it. Uh, so you make almost an infinite number of choices and you uh, direct it in a very, very specific, uh, we'll call a quantum field. And the result is that, hey, bingo, bango, you're traveling near or at the speed of light. But everybody else is not experiencing time in that way or space. for them, when you get to where they are, not such a good thing. And you say, well, what about that time loop? Like going back in time? Can't you go back in time? Uh, Yes, there is a way that you could calculate something like that. But the problem is that if you really want to go back in time, you need to go higher in dimensionality than is possible where we are. Nobody understands this stuff, so they think that that's an interesting idea. Mathematically, it's possible. Uh, uh, Eisenstein-Rosenberg Bridge, uh, some people call it oh, or the black hole things. No, no, it's actually wormholes. But the the, the thing is that it, the, the real... The real the the reason that it's still a theory is because you have to recognize what a wormhole would be. It's extra dimensional. It's multi. It, it, so you're not changing and going faster in in time space. Where you, from the, this dimension, this, such as this one, you're actually skipping dimensions, if there are such things, by the way, which they probably are. And so when you skip dimensions you get to the next part of the show. Hey! So we already know about it if you believe what was written by these two great physicists, Einstein Rosenberg. And their idea was strictly conjectured. They didn't really believe it existed even. But they said, well, if you could do this, we think you'll go backwards in time. Yeah. And so... That was their their step. And what about going forward in time? That's a whole other story. But for right now, we're just talking about that. So wh- where is the next dimension? Then? Well, the next dimension is right where we are. <laughs> but So the idea that you have to go out in space and travel at the speed of light. No, you don't have to do that. All you got to do is you, you have to leave your physical dimin- part of the dimension. You have to go at least to the atomic level of the etheric dimension, that's the part we were just talking about for the beginning of the show. And now, let's say you want to go to the next dimension. Well, assuming you're not going to go to the very dark side of things, you're going to where people who aren't pure objectively evil live, then you're going to have to get to the what is known as the seventh astral subworld. And uh, time, space is now three times, whoa, three times greater. And you can say, well, hold on here. That doesn't make sense. You're just, Phew. there you are. You're three times greater. Yeah. As soon as you get to the astral dimension, you go from the 2.1, uh, and you can jump up to uh, into the uh, into the astral dimensional space, and when you're there, you're in the seventh subworld. Now, what about this thing where evil people are? That's a sphere. What they do is they slow down, they they and separate time space astrally, which puts them below the atomic level of the etheric world so they can start influencing people in the etheric part of the physical world and do bad things to them. And also have effects on all kinds of things that may live in that part of the dimension where we are. Why do they do that? Because they like to control people and it's the it's the thrill they get to really control humans who are physically alive because that's how they can take over a planet they can't take it over by just taking over the astral world although they're doing a pretty decent job in trying to do that in the lowest parts anyway <clears throat> it's another subject for another time okay so back to where we were we're in the seventh sub-dimension and it's about three times so now the the quantum constant is growing. Not by a huge amount because we're at the lowest part of the asteroid. And what's happening with our with, with people's experience? And what's happening with the dimension itself? The dimension itself is now huge in comparison to the physical. What's huge? Mean? Well, it's huge because there's another another dimensional part. Yeah, here we have one dimension. Remember, I said the three turn into one at the atomic level, or even before you get there, they start melding together. But when you get to the to the seventh astral subworld, whew, you get a full new dimension, and it's the direction of feelings or emotion, and it's either towards somebody else or away from somebody else, or back and forth. So you can. You can use this dimension to emote. And emote, emote means that you can give love. Wow, that's a good idea. Or you can take. You can seek to control others. You can say, well, I want to I wanna get a thrill. Cool. I didn't know thrills come from controlling others. But some people in the 7 subworld that's how they function. Their, their thrills, their emotional stimulation comes from the desire to receive, which also includes taking, from others. That's what they, they like. They feel, it feels good to them. I gotta take more from them. And we know people like this in the physical world because they still have an emotive body they just don't live in it they live in the physical body but they're they're connected they're connected through amazing amounts of like time space which gets us into the einstein rosenberg thing and leads into the astral world because we actually have an astral body while we're physically alive it's not very well perceived we do perceive our emotions tremendously, but the emotions are part of the sensation. They are not the actual dimension itself. You can't say, Well, I know what the astral world's like because I know how I feel. Yeah, no, that's not true. You can't live there unless you're there, right? Can you get there? Yep. Can you get there while you're physically alive with difficulty and with difficulty? A lot, months of uh, work and someone really, really probably assisting that knows what they're talking about. But for most people now, they only go there when they dream because it's easy to go there when you dream because your personality dissolves away. When it dissolves away, the barrier that exists between one dimension and another just slides away. and You can travel, but you're not you. You're only a, a sliver of you, and it's more emotive than anything. It doesn't do a lot, but it does get rid of some of the retained energy in your astral body, so it's a good thing you dream. But it's not its not like, well, I'm going to go there and live for a while. You know, you're there for what might, for your experience, be an hour of time or something, or a half hour, But it, and you really might only have had the dream for less than two minutes here. But time is dilated. there, So you your experience there is, is for real. Not, it is a real experience of time in that realm. Yeah. But what about people? Are they closer or are they more distant from each other? Because this place is way bigger. Why is it so much bigger? Because you have another dimension. And it's called the astral dimension. It's called emotion. That dimension adds to the whole place only people that have this can do this, right? If you didn't have an emotional dimension in your senses, and there are seven senses, like there are seven senses here, and those give us the same kind of similar responses, but in different ways. Now, is this a good thing? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great, great thing, because you've got to go somewhere after you die. I mean, that's where you end up. Do you all, does everybody end up in that seventh thing? No, most people actually don't go there. Most people really, if you average it out, end up in the fifth, so well. Well, how much better is that? Well, it's considerably better. It's like a whole better experience in general. People aren't nearly as selfish. They're actually a a bit less selfish than they might have been while they were physically alive. Because once you get in this realm, you start figuring a few things out. One of them is, hey, it's better to love than not. Loving becomes a kind of big deal, even if it's only on the 5th subworld, done so you look better. <laughs> and only look better to people you really care about. Now, when you get to the 4th subworld, you want to look better to everybody. Well, that's good. That's, I, that's tall. That's a bigger improvement. Fifth is people you really like and care about. Fourth is everybody. <laughs> okay. You say, well, what about the sixth? Well, the sixth and the seventh are varying levels of selfishness. The sixth is pretty selfish, and the dark side has a lot of influence there. The seventh is very, very selfish, and many criminals and very selfish people end up in the seventh subworld, and the dark side has a field there. So, yeah, most people don't go there, and they go to the fifth or the fourth. Those are pretty cool places in themselves, and what about time space? How much is it dilated? Well, quite a bit, okay you go from you go from the seventh that's three you go to the you go to the sixth, that's six. It goes up by threes. You go to the fifth that's nine times that's a time dilation factor of nine times. That's pretty big, and that means that there's also nine times, since time and space is really joining together, you have a a time continuum that's nine times greater, and you also have a lot more space you can travel in, but people are simultaneously, from their sense perspective, much closer together, because they have an added uh, series of senses that are different from the ones they were using in the physical world, which are almost inoperative. They may have fused if they're really, really good people, they fuse some of the physical senses with their with their astral. But the majority of people not so much. And so they pretty much just rely on the astral senses. But to them it's pretty remarkable because you can experience people far distances by our standards, away, and you can hear what they're thinking, you can well, more about what they're feeling, but sort of their thoughts. It's a, the thoughts are really more extrapolated, but it's still there. You can actually feel it and then think what that must mean. And so it's really in a pretty amazing place. Now, for people, for people that really do end up in the fourth subworld, which is it, for many people a quite better life than while they were physically alive. In that subworld, because it's, it's in the middle, so to speak, people really want to be recognized by everybody as being more loving. So, and while they may not really be, at least they want to. You know, it's, it's a desire thing. They desire that. And it puts them on the right road towards a much better experience as they develop themselves. How much is time dilated? Well, if you get to the fourth now you're you're cooking right, and you're twelve times and at the fourth it's it really it's about halfway there, as I say, in terms of really developing a lot of uh uh time space uh joining, and people are much closer together in a much larger larger vastly larger world. That's a little hard for us to understand, but that's the way it is. So it's, I mean, this has this has tremendous ramifications because it also means a whole bunch of other coloraries to what I'm saying. I'm just trying to give you the experience and thought process of how this time-space issue is really changing readily by changing the quantum constant. And why do we know it works? Well, because it was proven a long time ago by... All oh, people like Heisenberg and a number of other great physicists, the energy follows thought greater now I'm getting this, greater than its own. Energy fouls thought that's greater than the thought that greater than the thought of the energy, so it'll follow. And that's an amazing thing to think. So you can control the energy of the energy. Well anyway, we're gonna go ahead and go to a break at this point. We will be back, give or take. In about two and a half minutes from right now. Hun, what book are you reading?
1: It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general.
0: Kind of a novel? What do you mean?
1: Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down.
0: How come the title is Afterlife
1: Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained.
0: But how can anyone write about or know that?
1: Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower, M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the wise, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's Hidden Meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart.
0: back this is why life is i'm niles mcflower yeah 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 okay now some of you might be saying well you know we thought that you do just metaphysical stuff it sounds like you're really into more science than anything well i'm a kind of guy who's i don't like to be limited (laughs) yeah i'm that's actually truly what i'm doing right now is astrophysics and cosmology when i say now i mean away from here in the studio, and so to to a lot of people that may sound like, well, okay, why don't you tell us that then instead of just keep keep hidden what you do? Well, because it's not about me. I'm not on this show to talk about my life. You know, I mean, if you really really want to know, <laughs> you know, call me sometime. I'll I'll reveal anything you want to know. But it doesn't matter. The issue is that. Uh the show is about the subject, not about me. Uh okay, so let's continue. And uh and, and by the way, I love cosmology. I and an physics. But astrophysics is the kind that we're talking about tonight. It's multidimensional quantum fields that suddenly shift and change and control the speed of light and other things. That's the kind of Multi-dimensional quantum physical fields that I'm talking about. It's different than what most people who practice that in another way would describe it. Okay, so we were we were on the fourth astral subworld. It's an interesting place because the people there, are at least, almost by definition, in order to be there, you're going to innately, we will say, want to make everybody else think, feel pretty much feel but certainly think to some extent that you're a good person and that you're trying to do help others to do the same that's a that's a big stretch from the fifth by the way the fifth is just people who care the only people they care about are you know like oh it's my family my friends yeah that's more like here right to some extent for good people here but this is this is a different stuff now you say okay what's after that well there's a Now, if you're going to get past the the fourth, uh, now you're in a select number of people who end up living in the astral world. People that live in the third astral subworld, now we're talking about a time dilation that's going up relatively uh, fast. We're we're moving, again, we're just adding another three dimension aspect to it, but it, it starts making a considerable difference when you get to the third because you're 18 times greater from where we are and in terms of time-space dilation. And so you have a – your viewpoint from that perspective is that what we call uh, the ability to collectively work together, not individually, becomes the prevalent methodology of – people experiencing each other. So they actually bring their feelings together and somewhat their thinking together in mental terms. They actually work somewhat bi-dimensionally as we do. We actually work tridimensionally. And so they're working bi-dimensionally, but they're bringing their feelings in line with with their mental thought to some extent. And they are also, bringing themselves together, they only have a, the only differences are people that start losing their abilities. They kind of don't fit into that then, and so they're kind of a bit ostracized. But that's a whole other story. I'm not going to talk about that tonight. And so dimensionally, when we look at how the how the third subworld is astrally, these people here profoundly. Developed technologies and knowledge of the universe, not just where they are, but the whole universe. That is pretty advanced because they try to keep their mental bodies going in a way that is, and they understand everything I'm teaching tonight. It's it's common knowledge, so not so much in the fourth, but it's definitely common knowledge in the, in the third subworld. And so the people there are. are you would say, well, but they're 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 seemingly very advanced people, maybe a little cold, maybe a little less emotive than we would think people should be in heaven, you know, if you call it a heaven kind of place. But and they live there longer because they have an eighteen time time dilation. Remember a person's life in the Astral World is based on time dilation issues. So they're living a lot longer time than people who are living in the seventh or the sixth or even the fifth subworlds. Each one's person's life expectancy is greater because of time dilation. Their time dilation is going vastly up, so they got more time to live in. Well, that's cool. Okay, dimensionally, it's a place where, uh, because there's a collective effort, not just to feel, but also to think. This is the first place that you really have collective thought, uh, and that's a good thing, because building on collective thought means you start inventing things together. You start creating all kinds of what are we'll called practical inventive ideas, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, we certainly relish that. We think it's a, important for humans to be involved in doing things like that, and. Outside of the fact that they're still in an emotive realm and not not predominantly in a mental realm, they are pretty advanced. But they have many failings. (laughs) Part, they don't like it when people deteriorate and lose some of their sense, so they ostracize them. That's not a good thing. (laughs) No, you should help them. Ostracize, send them off into another part of the dimension where they can't bother you. <laughs> and you, you don't they don't physically force them to go, but once they leave they make make a barrier so you can't get back get back where they are. So it's an awful idea in my opinion. And it's also awful that they have a certain level of arrogance because although this is not a mental world yet, they're dominated by thought of thinking that they're superior, and that's it's not a good thing. Uh, You might say, well, so are they like spiritual servers or something? Well, they only spiritually serve from their own domain. They don't like to go into lower realms. They hate that. They don't even like to go in their own realm where people who've diminished sense. They hate going even there. (laughs) So, I guess among themselves, if you're just looking for the younger folk, the younger folk is within the first several hundred years of life there uh they do they do find they're they're okay and they make some marvelous inventions that some of are coming to be developed here and they have been for actually quite some time. A lot of the inventions we have in the dense physical world started in the third astral dimension they created those inventions. But they weren't fully developed for physical use, because you have to include physics of the physical world to make those kinds of things work here. There, they don't have to do that. But they do have to understand the principles. And if you don't apply the principles, you still don't end up with the correct machine. Uh, Is this like the ideal place to end up? Depends who you are. That's all I can tell you. uh, not for my cup of tea, no, I would want to exactly hang out in that place uh, but I would you know be more than willing to be of service to anybody there if if I had to or could uh, but it's not not my thing so okay, well, then what's the next dimension- sub dimension well, the next subdimension is a place where people are servers of everybody they can serve and teach in the astral world. Because that sub-dimension now, you've gone up just to this second, it's 21 times greater quantum constant. Now you could say, well, yeah, okay, are these numbers exact? Oh, they are, none of them are exact. I'm giving you rounded because, yeah, the measurements would be, you know but it's close enough that's these are and remember the people the beings that live there have an effect on these things that we're talking about there. okay so to about 21 times and it's called the second sub sub world it's where teaching is a predominant application of people's abilities they teach not only there but they sometimes even teach in the first sub world which is pretty amazing and they also if they can get there and they some but they usually can't stay for very long but they can go. And they also teach down into the lower levels to some extent and they also try to save people who are in bad ways and they're very concerned. And that when they travel to the lower dimensions they make a tremendous or sub dimensions, they make a tremendous sacrifice because they're losing their time space. When they come back <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: things have really moved ahead where they left from and and things have gone slower and time has changed where they're going to to be a service to others. So there, it's, a big, it's a big challenge, a tremendous sacrifice. Tremendous sacrifice. Because if you think about it, that time-space thing has some serious consequences when you're not keeping the same time-space with everybody else that you are familiar with. It creates significant losses some of these people have grand relationships with people in this second subworld, and when they go to serve sometimes in, in one or but oftentimes many more than one people go at the same time when they come back the people that they left behind have spent much more time than they have living and they're kind of like out of step Difficult, difficult thing, and yet they make that decision because they believe that the service that they supply is of critical element to development of humanity, and that anything they can do to get rid of darkness and evil, they're willing to do. It's a pretty amazing thing. You, you could be quite impressed by those people. Now, it's not a large number. Yeah, A lot of people don't find that, that very comforting. Well, I'm going to go live in heaven, but while I'm in heaven, the people I'm with are all going to live out a life that I'm not mostly going to be vacant from. I mean, that's not a good thing. Now, usually they don't go on many of these trips. They may go on like a half dozen in their existence, or maybe a dozen, or for very short trips. They might go for a hundred, but those are very short. But if they go for any significant length of time, uh, it can be. It can get get into real issues. So, they try not to do it, but they do. If it's necessary for them to stay for days or weeks or even months, they will stay. And at a, at a factor that could be considerably dilated from where they were, or not dilated, but inverted, so that the dilation for the other people is tremendous, and you you can't keep up with it because they're living a a, a, a lot more life than you are in your service now you can say well how many people really do that well just everybody everybody does some of it in my opinion some people do a lot and they may spend literally years of second sub-world dimensional time in uh on a single trip it's a that's a lot that's a lot and or they Uh, might only do it for a very short time. We'll spend a week or two, which is not that bad because you come back months later, but it's still in relative terms. But at least you could continue to have some kind of ongoing relationship with people. Okay, so that sounds fascinating. And most of the major teaching parts of the astral world are not in the first subworld, but in the second. So, if you want to learn something, most of the places to go learn something are in the second astral sub You can say, well, what's going on in the first? That's about a 24-time dimensional level of, this, well, it's not really distortion, but it's increase. So, now we're at a place where the people that exist there are into creating... Uh, new kinds, we'll say, of uh, improvements in the overall astral world culture, and they also look for bridges to improving the mental world as well. They're the truly uh, first-ray type beings who have a need to be of service, but the service is in leadership and helping to find solutions to the inherent problems that humans have in their astral body. And some of the solutions they come up with are very creative, and then those solutions are taught in the second subworld to a vast number of other people. There are very few people that make it to the first astral subworld with that much dilation of time. and. When I say very few, I'm talking about you know, it could be easily way less than like one out of ten thousand people in the astral world will, will ever even come. Well, like probably one out of a hundred thousand that would ever get to the to the first uh, astral subworld. And, and so it's and most people that do go there don't can't even stay awake. They 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 might stay an hour or two. But they can't. It, it's very difficult. So and you don't just fall back to the second. Sometimes you just you, End up in the third or fourth. It's very hard, very hard to manage to travel to such a difficult time-space model place. And you know, at the we're talking like the atomic level now. We're talking about where the mind of God itself, as represented by the Ray Lord, is vastly greater than the Ray Lord for the etheric physical world. So you have this great being who is in control of this particular planet, and. uh the, there's a tremendous amount of, we'll say, influence from that being at that level, and that being is is trying to be the one that creates purpose, and is the being of creation itself. So it, it's trying to do that by uh, a ray. It's it, that just means a stimulation of the senses. So it's building the senses together way faster. People that go to the first astral subworld are having their senses almost knit together in perfect fashion. So their ability to sense is vastly greater than people in the lower subworlds. And that sensing also makes them much better at giving. So when they give, they give in ways that have tremendous advantages for everybody instead of just for a few. And that's a really big factor. I hope this kind of makes sense because that's what we're doing here. Now, all right, if dimensionally that's what's happening, and if time-space has reached the highest level you can get to uh, in the astral world, which is approximately 24 times the quantum constant here, well, not even here, yeah, t- t- yes, than here, I'm sorry, 24 times greater than here. You can say to yourself, oh, wait a second, that's a, that's a huge amount of time-space variance. Uh, so beings there are living 24 times more time in the same time we are. Well, that's a big number. Let's say someone lives a 100 years here, which by our standards seems like a long time. Not as long as humans used to live here, but still long time. Okay, it's 100 years. 24 times that is 2,400 years. But if you travel down, which people sometimes from the first sub world do, you lose some of that. So they may be down to the 700s or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that, that's, especially in the second sub world, people would live like 2,100, but they don't live that long. They actually live more like maybe 600 or like that. Some live 800, some live 900, some live 1,000. Depends how much they travel and what condition they were when they got there, too. So these enormous times we're talking about, living very long lives. Holy cow! So to them, by our standards, if you could go there, you would say, it's got to be heaven because they're there forever. Uh, it isn't really forever, but it certainly seems like it. <laughs> right? All right. Now, you could also say, well, if they're living that much, then what what is happening? Well, everything, you, you, you're living in a model of time-space. Where you're like on the spaceship, and you know, you're going, you got yourself into a time model that's a totally different reality than everybody else. But it's not true. This is a whole other world. This is a tremendously other world. Are people closer together? Yes, because there is the extra dimension all the way through the astral. So you have that. And is it heaven? Well, as reported by a lot of people, that's probably what they think it might be. Now, when we carry past the astral wall and we get into the monastic realm, at the monastic realm point, things are really changing because you have, you know, you're, you're merely jumping by 50%. You're going from 24 to 36 times, just getting there. It's, it's a jump of fifty percent in time space to seventh sub world the seventh sub world is pretty nasty by the way, so is the sixth because the dark side has managed to contaminate it pretty badly, and they're working on the fifth <laughs> and they have presence there for sure, and their real plan is to get to the fourth they get to the fourth Earth is done. I don't think it will ever happen because if they get about before the time they get to the fourth subworld, Earth has ended. There is no more. So. Experiment didn't work. Sorry, Charlie. They're mostly on the sixth and seventh, and they have some inroads on occasion to the fifth. What's going on in this mental dimension? Well, the development of truth is the is the condition that was the original plan. And you develop truth in the lower part of the world by having forms of thought. As some people call them thought forms. Those are the things that we think of as words, uh, forms of thought that represent a higher level of concepts. Where are those concepts found, like all the concepts in the mental world are found in the first three subworlds. So the meta-world is actually divided by time-space itself. And time-space is really rejoining more than separating. And it's also a place where, uh, in our terminology, you can find, uh, find a certain level of truth at any particular moment of what we call time. And that truth only is for that particular moment. So you can't say the truth lasts forever, quite the opposite. Truth is good for a certain time-space point. And a time-space point has to do with a collection of lines and a collection of a planet. It's all kinds of factors that gets pretty complicated. So the mental world is a kind of interesting place because it has a lot of conditions in it that we're not that familiar with here in this physical world or even some people in the lower astral subworld don't really have a comprehension very well of it. And one of the things that's most interesting about it is there's a part of the mental world different from the astral. Astral world has the same thing but it's not anything like it. And that's called the akasha. What is the the akasha? Well, when people think egotistically or worse, arrogantly, when, when they think that way, they cause a distortion in space-time, and so the what we would call the past gets distorted, and isn't the truth? <laughs> it's the opposite of truth. So egotism and arrogance, even worse, creates untruth, and the untruth is this thing called the akasha. The akasha has a record of wrong we'll call it long history <laughs> can you believe that so you can go into the akasha and you can experience it and a lot of people actually think that when they're there that's what the world's really like for but there's another part of the mental world that isn't contaminated by the akasha and the akasha can, at the present time on earth is less than seventy percent accurate for overall it's not good at all. If you go to the lower maniastic subworlds, it's much worse than that. so it gets it, because evil is taken over part of it, and so it confuses people because their memories get distorted by the akashic overlay, and so people start remembering things in ways that are based upon more of a composite of what they desired in the astral world connected to what they're thinking in the middle world and that is a weird thing whether they're alive or dead this would be a true statement and so and even while we're physically alive we're affected by the same thing if we're trying to remember something that is quote-unquote uh facts our our ability to remember facts is less than 70 percent accurate for most people it's actually probably less than 60 percent accurate. Whew. that's not good no wonder people can't remember anything <laughs> because the facts they do remember don't agree with other people's in case you haven't noticed that so and it's caused by this Akashic experience. So the same thing applies in the astral world, because there's an astral Akasha. But that's about feelings. So people have even worse time remembering how they felt. The, the past of their feelings is like altered within a very short periods of time to something different. And that's a real bad thing. <laughs> So you could say, well, I remember exactly how I felt last week, last month, last year. Yeah, go back that far. You don't remember anything about your feelings. It's reinvented through the astral Akashic. Oh, so that's a worthless place to go to. Like, <laughs> all right, what's it like today? It'll change in the next few hours. You better hurry up. <laughs> it's, uh, a crazy place. Now, the Akashic experience in the astral world is improved as you get to the first and second sub worlds but come on oh my somebody let's those are the people who are really put together right right so it doesn't really it doesn't do a hell of a lot of good for, for the rest of us for the rest of the people anyway okay so here we go the metal world is so bad but not as bad as the astral that the level of truth presently on Earth, now this isn't true of most other planets. Earth is a bad one, okay? But it is here that what we call history is confabulation. The best history on Earth is nothing more these days than confabulation of anything past a few lifetimes ago or a hundred years or so. Now, we do start, we are taking time to try to correct this by using things that might sustain themselves longer than just books. Uh, but in reality, those things are only as good as the people who are, are able to construct them and make sure that they're, they're working and recording what's really happening. So it's a, it's a bit of a problem. There will be a time. In the next uh, 50 years, we're really airtight methods of recording history and even to some extent people's feelings about it, at least at the moment to not be distorted for the future. And that will give us some level of increased, we'll call it, emotional truth. And eventually the same will be true of mental. Oddly, because mental truth is better than emotional truth is right now. We're we're making roads; they are better than we are emotionally. Emotionally, there hasn't been much change, but we're still working on it. And there are ways and methods that could be employed, but they are inventions from the third subworld up in the uh, the astral world that might be of some significance. But for right now, that's that's our problem: is that Earth is a bad place, and we got really bad akashic issues and we we need to correct all this stuff but right now as time goes by from one day to the next things aren't the same or true and from one week or month it's ridiculous much less years which is, you know most people have <laughs> everything's an invention well then if we're going to reinvent the past The present and future will never have much meaning. That's an important issue. And you start getting trapped in what is called a forever present. And that kind of experience is what is happening to certain parts of Earth today and countries. And models like socialism and communism rely upon these distortions to succeed. Only some technology, along with people understanding what we're talking about tonight, can you correct this with? Otherwise, can't correct it. And it's only a matter of time before Earth will be destroyed by evil. And well, it will be taken over by evil, and then it will be destroyed. A better way to put it and that's because things like communism and socialism uh will take over the planet and it's already happening i mean you don't have to look very far it's happening right here in the u.s it's happening throughout the world and if it uh, continues much further it's curtains maybe a 100 years is what we got left maybe 150 so and it's because of what i'm teaching right now that that's a true statement. Okay, so we got some uh, handle on that, but let's look at the more positive side. Okay, so when you get to the higher mental world, it's here the concepts come into play. But there's two types of concepts. (laughs) There are the concepts that are highly connected to what is known as knowledge, and the knowledge is oftentimes connected to Akashic Misinformation okay and so you have what is called lower lower conceptual uh, some people call it mundane mundane thinking that is invariably poorly developed and untrue it doesn't fail truth and it doesn't produce any love wisdom it doesn't produce love between people and there's no wisdom. To the knowledge. Wow, lacking wisdom is not good. All right, so then what do you got? Well, only if you get past a certain place, which is called the, you got to get to where the soul resides, which is the second uh, sub world in the mental world, do you get out of this crap. And you partially get better when you leave the third lowest sub sub planes uh of the higher plane so because that's where most of this really bad stuff is. So it gradually improves until you get to the second subworld and it's fine. So it's okay there. But we so we have things that are somewhat mundane but oftentimes not as distorted. And then we have things that are truly spiritual to some extent. And that's where the soul is. And when we can get to that level of thinking, which very, very few people do, then you don't end up with these time-space distortions. You don't end up with the with the terrible level of concept- misconceptual thought that leads to wrong thought forms all over the place. And you start developing some truth, real truth, real truth, and some love wisdom love wisdom middle is very very crucial the soul is the embodiment of its development and the higher being the higher soul we'll call it the higher self is the perfection of it at the atomic level of the little world so we have these two parts of ourselves that we can re- use as resource, but we can't contact them until we behave here, or whatever dimension we're, or subdimension we're living in, in accord with it. If you don't live it, I'm not talking about thinking about it. I'm not talking about reading about it. I'm not talking about listening to the show about it. I'm talking about doing it. If you don't live by giving wisely to others so that they can do the same, that's what wise means. If you don't do that, you're always going to be caught in illusion in the middle world, and you will not move ahead in terms of spiritual development, and you will be a thorn in everybody's sight. And that's a problem here for this planet. Some planets have overcome this. As a matter of fact, the vast majority have. But we're the worst. We're the worst in the whole galaxy. We're we're really not a good place. Now you could say, well, but we chose to be here, right? Yeah, we did. We came here to make it better. We didn't come here just for the fun of it. There's no fun to be had on Earth. You may think there is. But not in the long run. Okay. So, dimensionally, what's happening? What's going on with time and space? Well... You're, when you get to the top of the metal world, you're, because it's not fully, fully developed yet, it's only about 960 times, only about 960 times, uh, more dilated than we are here. Wow. So one year here is 960 years there. Whoa. And that's not even right. Because we haven't developed it completely yet, and when enough people can really get to the first subworld, not to the second uh, of that plane, at that point it'll go to a thousand fifty six is the absolute number, thousand fifty six times dilated <laughs> from this world, and that's amazing. That's an amazing. About. Wow. All right, so we we have tremendous amounts of growth we can be hoping to achieve from just looking at that. Now some people can say, all right, well, that's it, right? That's as high as we go. We don't get no higher, and that's it. No, 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 no. I'm going all the way tonight. And believe me, you can't really, you can't believe where you really end up. Okay, the quantum constant is now in real numbers, a 1,056 times if you're at the atomic level, the very highest you can get. And not from the perceptual level of somebody still stuck in the mental world but not able to at all grasp beyond that. All right, so, 1,056 from people above the metal world, that's what they would see. And what's next? Well, that's the highest place you have have single concepts that one being can experience. That's it. That's all the concepts you can experience is one being at 1,056. It's a, what they say, well, people, other beings are living elsewhere, higher, right? Yes, yes. But let's say you want to go higher. What's happening to time and space? <laughs> well, besides, remember, the metal dimension, you're adding the dimension of of metal thought. That's another dimension in itself. That's, that's a whole other. Now we're going into something else called intuitional thought, which is the ability to communicate all the concepts, all the concepts about the subworld that you're in, in an intuitional realm, all of them at one time. And you say, well, what's that? Well, we were talking about 1,056. It seems like a pretty big number to a lot of people. So, what is it if you go all the way to the top of the intuitional plane? And I'll explain more about it in a minute. But if you go right, right, let's go right to the, let's go right up there. Just take a look. And then we'll come back down. Okay, I will go that way. Too. I don't want to get boring here. So, you go all the way up there. All right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going up, 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 up. <laughs> And where are you? Oh, it's getting pretty, pretty amazing. You're at, are you ready for this? big number, give or take about 144,000, 144,000 times faster, you start saying, what are you doing with all that? Well, I There are several ways to define it. If you want to define it in terms of knowledge, using a mental plane uh, example, you're dealing with all the knowledge on the lowest subworld of the intuition, world, dealing with all the knowledge expressed in concepts about the planet you're on, which is Earth, uh, in the physical world. All the concepts. Period. And if you go to the next, it's all the concepts about the astral and physical world. All for Earth only. And then all the concepts about the metal world on the next, which is the fifth, so forth. And the three together, literally. Are all the knowledge that you can have about Earth, about anything that is or even will be on Earth? It's called the rain cloud of knowable things. Rain cloud of knowable things. And in that, you gain knowledge not just about the p- present and past, but p- the future. Wow. And not just any old future. This is the future till the end of Earth. Whenever that might be. Wow, old knowledge. Old knowledge. Well, obviously if you get to the fifth subworld you can start making some uh you can start making some decisions about how long Earth is gonna exist based upon what's happening and- Yeah. So you start seeing, well, whoa, this is a very important thing. Yeah. Now, who's doing all this concepting? (laughs) Well, the beings that exist there are usually what are called third-level initiates and above. Most of them have reached a certain point where they uh, they have gotten rid of the majority of interfering astral issues and some of their egotism, most of it. And so they're in very good shape, and they you share with those beings. Now, they're not, most of them are not physically alive. There are some that are, just so you know, but they're few. And when they are doing deep thinking, they contribute to the all of the beings that exist there. But the numbers aren't that large. We're talking about hundreds, it's not like a large number. Of beings and not all of them are going to be focusing at any particular time that you access. It might only be a dozen or so. And from any sub plane. If you get to the uh if you get to the fifth on the intuitional plane, hey, there could be many dozens of people beings. Some of them incarnate physically, some of them in the astral dimensions. Of, but it's 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 a collection. Okay, good. A lot of them actually are alive mentally, so those beings are contributing, and all of their minds are joining together to produce all knowledge. They're becoming kind of what you would say omniscient in a sense, and so this is a good thing, but there's a limitation. You you recall I said it's old knowledge. That is about Earth, and only about the sub- about the dimensions of Earth, starting with the physical then the astral and finally the manic well, those are great things those are there's nothing to sneeze at if you can actually get there, so to speak, and stay there for more than a few seconds. It's pretty good, but it's not the same as the beings who have. Reached the fourth subworld. What happens? What is going on in the intuitional fourth subworld? It's so different. Well, the fourth subworld incorporates all of the beings that at any one time uh, have any thoughts about the subject. And those beings don't even have to be aware that you're using some of their thought. It makes them, they have no awareness of anything above them, so it doesn't change. So you get all that. You get all the knowledge. You get, you get the whole the whole thing. It's a big knowledge trip, right? Cool. Okay. But you also get something else. You reach that level, and now your conceptual understanding can jump instead of hundreds to a few thousand or a couple thousand concepts, maybe. You're really good at it, up to the fifth subworld, when you get to the fourth, it could be a hundred thousand whoa, and it's not just about Earth, and it's about much, much more It's almost a timeless thing. It isn't about Earth, and it isn't about a space issue connected to Earth. It starts reaching into the cosmos. The cosmos is not the cosmos of the fifth i mean the seventh sub of uh, seventh world. this is the cosmos up to the intuitional fourth sub world Wow, and it's the beginning of completed booty. Can you go higher with the booty? yeah, booty could go all the way up to the f- first sub world um uh, uh, most human beings do not ever reach beyond the fourth. If they get to the first, it takes a something beyond human. You need to become a superhuman, a spiritual being of great proportion. But at least it's a cool thing. I mean, at least it is, you know. So knowledge is one part of it, but be aware that this is not really just about knowledge. What's so critical about that, this particular subworld is the time-space model. And how everybody, because the the, the the hugeness of the dimension is there, yet everybody is in constant connection with everybody else. Wow. So they live more as one as they reach the top of the Buddha realm, which is sometimes called the intuitional plane. And that is so amazing because it's more than just all knowledge now. It becomes an enlightenment of one's overall consciousness to a state in which time-space is 144,000 times larger than here. 144,000, give or take, these are rounded numbers. That's a pretty amazing thing. People who can think at that level are not just thinking in what we call perspective of knowledge, but far beyond that. I realize that people who study Buddha think it's all knowledge. Isn't it? Knowledge really becomes almost the the lowest aspect of it. This is called completed intuition and it allows people to function in unison with all beings that exist in that realm and sometimes once you get past uh, into the second and first subworlds it's with beings outside of earth wow that's pretty cool now you're talking about you have communication with beings from other star systems wow that's pretty amazing okay so that, And other star systems, meaning even beyond what we consider what we are, even our galaxy, necessarily. All right, so this is pretty Im- impressive stuff. And we now come to the really, really far out stuff. So be prepared for
1: far out, Bill.
0: <laughs> Here it comes. The next dimension is called the spiritual dimension. Well, who in the heck hangs out there? <laughs> Well, there's a thing called the spiritual hierarchy, and it makes sense that the spiritual hierarchy would be living in the spiritual dimension, and sure enough, that's where you find them. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's where they're at, huh? And what's what's going on with time-space dilation? Well, the dimension itself, you're adding another dimension. You, see, you went mental, and, right, and then you went intuitional. That was a dimension. It's a, actually, intuition is a dimension. And now you're into a spiritual dimension, which is an added dimension of spirit connecting to all beings, um, that exist there. So they don't just connect through their sense, senses developing knowledge. They connect through their spirit. Okay. Spirit is connected, and so they if they, they exist in the first sub world at the atomic level, and at least some of them do. Some there are some that may be a little lower, than then are working on getting them. But it's still, that's the goal is to get there. There are actually some beings from the fourth sub world up of the spiritual plane, so you have to look at it from that from that perspective. And so you're you're getting into beings who are capable incredibly, of touching all elements of spirit everywhere on earth and beyond. Holy moly. And what is spirit? Well, spirit is the thought of God at that level. Wow. So you're able to share thought through spirit uh, beings all throughout our galaxy, and maybe multiple galaxies, and who knows how far you want to take the subject, because it depends on what you you're going to get to. But in the spiritual world, it's generally talking. We're really talking about our galaxy here, not not beyond. If you're going beyond the galaxy, then you're going to get into the next dimension, generally speaking. So now we're starting to experience a amazing, amazing elements of the entire universe. And remember this, if you're talking about time and space, when we talk about galaxies, that's way down where we are in the basement. This is a much wider way of looking at the universe. I can't describe it because it's, we don't have vernacular to describe it correctly, but so you get up there, okay, what's, where, where are we going with this thing? well at the top of the spiritual world it's the are you ready for this it's the squaring now of where we take light and multiply light times light effectively and the process ends up being eight to nine or more million times greater than here. Whoa, well, that's a big number. Okay, so that's a pretty that's a pretty big number, you know, for for these beings, and they function from there for uh, the benefit of Earth first. That still they are connected with Earth but they also interact and with many other worlds, many other, depending upon their development and many other, uh, many other beings like they are. Wow. That's it. And what is, so we have time, space, quantum constants, grown to some enormous level, right? Over four million four and a half million times more than it is at the top of this dimension we're in, and then where we where we are like closer to nine nine million times well, that's a number that's really staggering by our standards anyway, it's a very, very big number right okay so where where do we go from there? Well, all right, let's just keep going. We've still got a little bit of time left here uh. The next two dimensions are monadic dimensions. What does that mean? That means that you no longer have the separation of time-space by having what people would consider to be form. Form, uh, or intelligent activity, is all done from the spiritual world down in dimensionality. But when you get to the monadic, uh, even the lower monadic, called the second monadic plane, those beings are what start the whole thing going, and they keep all energy separate from themselves, and there's no spirit because it's just part of them. That's all. And so ultimately, they are what we call uh, unified beings who only have one completed, completed notion of time-space, And that completion is in fulfilling God's plan, because they start becoming aware of God's plan. And here on Earth, there's only a few beings that have reached that level, and those are greatest in our history, etc. And if you're there now, you're well beyond human. You're not human anymore. And so you're a member of a spiritual hierarchy of sorts, but you're even above that. In in terms of initiations, there are 7th and 8th level initiates at the highest levels. And you can get into ninth level initiates. Eventually, that's getting into the first monanic element. And the bottom part is actually the 8th. And then the top part is the 7th, where you find uh, people, beings, who... Are on the we'll call it the second monadic. at the top, the very top of it now, how do you get there well, by service to a planet. you have to you have to observe and reach there so you, these things actually started at some point as humans, so we have a fair understanding what's happened to the quantum constant it's it's become what it is close to being. You can be in any place in no time at all, not just where we think in the tiny little basement part where we live in the in the, seven, in the seventh plane, but anywhere in any plane except for the monadic plane. And when you get to the monadic plane, you can be everywhere sometimes at the same time. Wow. And then eventually you can be everywhere at all times, past, present, and future. You get to be a monad who has ascended to the highest levels and in reaching those highest levels, they are sharing the experience that God is having. And they do it in three different ways for the third, second, and first subworlds. And once they have completed that, past, present, and future of time if we want to think of it that way, once they once they have completed that whole process They have become one with their creator. The unification is not with the universe. It's with God. They experience God as it has been, as it is, and at that moment how they project it will be, but that is not necessarily how God actually will choose to be. And that projection of how God will be is unique for that one great being. And that great being goes on to, usually, a different universe. But it's a whole different idea, and we're not going to talk about that tonight. So if we, we consider this whole thing, looking at it from the perspective that I'm giving you, this is an amazing place you could go to when, when there's when virtually unlimited potential. The dimensionality becomes as great as the entire, not not our little basement variety of the universe, our enti- the entire universe, which is beyond our perception, beyond our, we can't even think of it. It's just too big for us to get. It's way way as big as the the entire seventh dimensions. They top of the very God's experience is in a realm so much greater. It's beyond our ability to even consider it. We can't really give it a name that would make any sense to us. Because the size of everything is huge, but there's no time and space to be anywhere at any point. It takes no time at all to be anywhere And eventually, you can be everywhere at all times. And how do you eventually reach that? When you reach the mind of God. That is God's experience. God's experience is everything at all times. At one time. And you can say, well, how do you do that? (laughs) We can't imagine. We don't know what it is. Even the, the highest monad probably... To only project in its own reality what it could be like to be God. But the actual experience has to be only God having it. Wow. It's a truly remarkable thing because God actually experiences what every monad eventually does, which is everything that ever comes and goes in this universe will eventually end up there. And it experiences everything. Wow. So this is no little thing. It's a huge thing. The dimensionality has gone from almost a speck to something beyond our ability to conceive correctly. Even in our wildest thought, we just can't truly get it. And the closest thing would be the the ascended monads, the highest monads, at that first sub-world of the first world, they are going to be the closest you can come. They certainly get all the past and all the present. Just getting the future is a construction. So it's absolutely remarkable. I'm hoping that this has made some sense to you. And when we look at dimensionality, we start beginning to appreciate what our universe is really like these dimensions of time space help us to realize that time space is the gross neglect of consciousness itself in producing splits and the deformation particularly here on earth that's a true statement well i hope this has made a difference i hope this is this is a show that has explained some of this in a way that gives a little bit more. I've had shows like this before, but not to this level of explaining it as well. I'm getting a little better at that, I guess, I think. And so uh, we're out of time. And I hope also that you'll, if you can get a copy of Life's and Meaning, which you can do, uh, you should read it. Because all of this is way better explained in that book, which would take a couple of years, maybe more, for me to just read it and explain it as best as I can on a show like this. I don't think anybody's going to put up with that, but I do teach some classes that do, believe it or not. Well, that's it. We're out of time for right now. And until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for. Why life is.